I'm Kelly Kleiman. And I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And we're the Dueling Critics. Welcome to our weekly podcast of reviews and news about Chicago theater. And today we're talking about the winner of the 2013 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, Water by the Spoonful, by Chiara Alegria Hudes, and it's in its regional premiere at Court Theatre running through April 6th. Now, Water by the Spoonful is one-third. It's the middle play of a trilogy by Chiara Alegria Hudes, and the central figure is a young American-born but of Puerto Rican descent, a young man named Elliot Ortiz. He is a veteran of the Iraq War, where he was severely injured with a leg injury and became addicted to pills. But that is nothing compared to his birth mother, Odessa Ortiz, who is a recovering crackhead, and she becomes the central figure of this play, which also introduces us to the members of an online support group which she runs, and also to her younger sister, Elliot's aunt, who has helped raise Elliot along with their grandmother. That's a pretty comprehensive account of what's basically a family epic. It's interesting that you mention that the central figure is Elliot, because in fact, Elliot is the only superfluous character in this otherwise absolutely terrific weaving together of a series of disparate stories. Elliot is addicted to pain pills, but that seems sort of like an excuse to bring him into a play which is primarily about his birth mother, known online as Haiku Mom and embraces Buddhism and is the world's calmest and most wonderful person except for the fact that she's a crack addict. What's interesting about the play is the way in which the playwright delves into what appears under the surface of each of these characters. So there's a successful IRS agent who's been clean for 10 years, but is obviously still struggling with his addiction. And there's a millionaire, a venture capitalist, who appears to be doing just fine and is nonetheless smoking crack in parking lots. Their conversations and their interactions and their caring for one another stand in sharp contrast to what's going on within Odessa's family itself, where her sister doesn't speak to her and her niece is furious at her and her son is ready to kill her. Odessa's addiction meant that she was not a proper mother to raise her son, Elliot, and this has poisoned the family relationship all around, and it's brought to a head because the grandmother, whom everyone calls Mama Gina, and who actually helped raise Elliot, has died. We do not meet her as a character, but her death is reported, and it brings to the fore all the tensions between the surviving two generations of the family. What I meant to say is that Elliot Ortiz is the central character of the trilogy, not necessarily this play specifically. And what the play is about is how we create families. If your blood family, if your birth family doesn't work for you, then you create a family of your own. It's just like Harry Potter does in the Harry Potter movies and books. And the family that ultimately works is the online community of crackheads who support each other in the effort towards recovery and eventually break through the online barriers. And this is the big point of the play. And they actually meet in the flesh, person to person. They learn their real names rather than simply their online names. And in the meantime, the surviving nuclear blood family is in the process of dissolution and meltdown. 
Absolutely. It's deterioration is based on the fact that it's very difficult for members of the blood family to tell one another the truth. And the foundation of the relationship online is the ability of its participants to tell one another the truth. Now, probably they can do that because they're not looking in each other's faces. I think this is a wonderful play and gets a terrific production under the direction of Henry Godinez. He has created an ensemble with true family feeling. It's very sensitively directed. You can easily believe the relationships among these characters. And because it is a relationship play, that is the key to carrying forward the intentions of the playwright. The need to make this play part of a trilogy distorted the play itself. I also found the emphasis on addiction a little bit overwhelming. It's not absolutely true that everyone on earth is addicted to something, and that's certainly the perspective that Hootis gives to her characters. Okay, I felt the same thing, and eventually it became downright tiresome. Not everyone who abuses substances for a period of time is forever in recovery. Some people kick it and that's it, overdone. Not everybody relapses. Eventually, I became less and less interested, even as the online people began to make the personal breakthroughs that really are foreshadowed in the play. You know it's going to happen, but it takes two hours and 15 minutes with an intermission to happen. Now, I wanted to point out this is not a realistic play. The closest I can come to describe it is that this is an impressionistic play. The dialogue is pointed. It's heightened. It's not the way people really, really speak to each other. And there are moments when it sounds utterly artificial yet beautiful. The production, too, is not realistic in the sense of rooms that are recognizable. It is a choreographed production. It is balletic. And I was astonished when I looked at the credits to see that there is no credit for a choreographer. Actually, that's not true. There are movement consultants Ah. identified. And you're certainly right that choreographer might have been a better term. But Stephanie Paul and Maggie Papadayak are responsible for the really gorgeous use of the ensemble as an ensemble. The establishing shot, if you would, of the entire evening features every member of the ensemble weaving in and out of the curtains hanging on the set and in and out of one another's lives. It sounds a little forced as I describe it, but it looks magnificent. And because right at the center of set designer John Boshi's stage is a hole, an abyss into which the characters might fall at any time, the choreography around it is heightened and made that much more powerful. My hesitations are about things outside of the play, that is, the author's attitude towards addiction and her determination to include a character who doesn't necessarily need to be there. But I cannot speak highly enough of the cast, and particularly Odessa Ortiz, who is played by Sharon Alvarez, who has never, ever done a bad performance. I thought everyone in the cast was outstanding. Sharon Alvarez, as you mentioned, Edgar Miguel Sanchez as Elliot Ortiz, Yadira Correa as his aunt, and right on down the line, I do want to point out 
as the government IRS agent known online as Shoots and Ladders, the wonderful delivery of Dexter Zollicoffer, who was just astonishing in his ability to do comedy and sarcasm. I have to compliment also John Boshi, who did the scenic design also. He is a master at projection design. The basic scenic design is one that is 400 years old. It was a wing and drop set, but he used the wings for projections of various kinds of natural images and cityscapes, and the movement was complemented by a wonderful sound and music score by Joshua Horvath and Kevin O'Donnell, who are master sound designers and also both brilliant composers. They incorporated some classic jazz like John Coltrane and created some wonderful new music of their own to give the whole thing this wonderful balletic feel. Now, this conversation explains why people are always complaining that the dueling critics do not duel enough. But what can we say when we both see a production that we think is fine, of a play that we think is flawed? That's what we're going to say. Water by the Spoonful continues through April 6th at the Court Theater in Hyde Park. Jonathan, I understand you have a pick. I do indeed. And it's just been extended through April 13th. And what it is, is... A Tale of Two Cities, the great popular Charles Dickens novel adapted to the stage by Christopher M. Walsh at Lifeline Theater up in Rogers Park. Now, they often adapt novels to the stage, and they have the knack. They know how to do it. They take the complexities of A Tale of Two Cities, they cut away everything that's extraneous, and they really boil it down to the love triangle at the heart of this, and they do it with great style, with small means, but the means they have look good, look rich, and it is a wonderful tale of two cities, well told at Lifeline Theater. You will enjoy it. Your kids will enjoy it. Someone in the audience said to me, it's too bad we couldn't see this version of it when we were all in high school and forced to read the play. A Tale of Two Cities at Lifeline Theater continues through April 13th. And I liked that one too. So much for dueling. The Dueling Critics Podcast is a production of Miracle Podcasts. Remember, if it's a good podcast, it's a miracle. Our producer is Michael Kay. You can subscribe to our miraculous podcast in iTunes or go to duelingcritics.net and click subscribe by email and you'll have us delivered to your mailbox hot and fresh every Friday morning. You can also listen to our back catalog on SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter at Dueling Critters, or like us on Facebook. I'm Kelly Kleiman. And you can read Kelly's work at HuffingtonPost.com and at ChicagoNow.com slash The Non-Profiteer. I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And you can read Jonathan at WindyCityTimes.com, TheaterMania.com, and Footlights.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.